This is the Disability Visibility Podcast with your host, Alice Wong. Hey, welcome to the Disability Visibility Podcast. Conversations on disability politics, culture, and media. I'm your host, Alice Wong. Today's episode is all about fat liberation with Max Airborne and Caleb Luna. Max is an organizer for collective liberation, rooted in fat liberation and disability justice. They co-founded Fat Rose and is an organizer for the No Body is Disposable campaign. Caleb is a performer, scholar, activist. They are PhD candidates in performance studies at UC Berkeley, where their research focuses on historicizing performances of eating and cultural representations of fat embodiment. Max and Caleb will talk about their lived experiences as fat people, the hate, violence, and oppression toward fat people, and what fat politics and liberation is all about. Are you ready? Away we go! Five, four, three, two, one. Caleb and Max, thank you so much for being my podcast today. Yay, thank you for having us. Thank you so much. I'm so honored to be here. Well, I would love for us to start with maybe both of you to introduce yourselves. Okay. Uh, so my name is Max Airborne. I, I got introduced to fat activism as a teenager. Um I had been um, hospitalized for being fat by my family. And uh, when I got out, I got introduced to fat liberation, which was a pretty new thing at the time. And I kind of haven't looked back. I stopped dieting and I learned that it was okay to be fat. And uh, it just really changed my whole life. <laughs> and, you know, I, I credit being alive with having learned about fat liberation. And so... You know, pretty much whatever I've done, I've tried to include fat liberation in my work. And so right now I'm working with uh, an organization that I started with my partner called Fat Rose, which is about politicizing fat people and making connections with other social justice movements and trying to bring fat, uh, fat liberation into the agendas of other social justice movements and also to well, to just bring us all together in every way, because fat people are everywhere. <laughs> fat people cross every uh, every social group. Wonderful. Thank you, Max. My name is Caleb Luna. I'm a PhD candidate in performance studies at UC Berkeley. Um, I'm an activist. I'm an artist, performance artist, poet, writer, essayist. And yeah, so I have... Um, a bit of a scholarly um, background and an approach to fatness and fat liberation, but also definitely try to pull from activist roots. Um, And I love what Max does. My sort of impression or interpretation of Fat Rose, and feel free to like challenge this or expand on it, Max, um, is sort of emergence of radical politics, radical left politics with, fat politics um, and making clear their 
um, affinities and their overlaps, um, which I really love and appreciate. And is like, I try to include incorporate a similar framework into my um, scholarly work, into my artistry and my my um, activism. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you, Caleb. Thank you. I feel like there are a lot of movements who have ultimately a view about collective liberation. What I really want is for uh, to make alliances with those groups so that we all understand that uh, that includes fat <laughs> and that, you know, so that fat liberationists understand that our liberation is tied to black liberation and disability liberation and freedom for all people. I want us all to be looking at each other and forming one giant coalition that includes fat. I'd love to learn how both of you kind of, you know, describe or define fat liberation and how does it look, you know, to you? Like, how does that kind of manifest in your own world? I think similar to what Max is saying, for me, fat liberation is connected to the liberation of all peoples. I worry that part of the barrier for people to understanding fatness as a marginalized group is well one um i think that people actually get a lot of um access to power and privilege through thinness in ways that are really culturally normalized and valorized and celebrated even when um thin bodies are produced or maintained um in really violent ways for me, like, it's actually central to how histories of race and colonization have um, materialized on this continent. There's, there's scholarship that goes and looks at um, the journals of the original colonizers on this country, on this land, who, including Christopher Columbus, there's a book called The Body of the Conquistador by Rebecca Earle, and she does this. Um, and it's very clear that for colonizers, the body size of the indigenous people um, who were living on this land was a problem. And it was um, a site of a lot of anxiety for them um, in order to maintain their, like, white European idealized bodies because they were afraid to eat the food, the foods that were indigenous to this land because those produced uh, indigenous bodies, right? And so there, so there's always been this sort of colonial anxiety about body size. Um, and that coincides with uh, theories and perceptions of race and racialization, particularly with black and indigenous people, there's more scholarship recently, um, a book called Fearing the Black Body by Sabrina Strings talked about the ways that fatness was produced as ugly through its imagined association with blackness. Um, and that one of the ways that settlers and colonizers justified their colonization 
and genocide and enslavement of people is through producing their bodies as ugly, as primitive, as inferior. And certainly not all of that process was about fatness, but at least some of it was, um, right? And so since um, contact on this land, there has been fat hatred and fat stigma in order to maintain white supremacy and settler ideals. So for me, fat liberation is very integrated into Black liberation. It's also um, integrated into Indigenous sovereignty and material decolonization of this land. Caleb, it's, it's amazing to start to understand the history of fat hatred. It's so ubiquitous that fat is just uh, assumed and promoted as a horrible, unhealthy thing. It's become all about health. So the origins of it are absent from that understanding. So I guess what, what I would say about fat liberation, I feel like fat is considered bad from like the moment we're born. We're given this idea that uh, the, the body has to be a certain way. And, you know, we know scientifically that babies actually need body fat. <laughs> and yet, you know, there are even parents who are instructed to give their kids low-fat diets, which is, you know, a terrible thing to do. Uh, to a baby. And, you know, so it begins there. We all grow up with some version of this information that we have to maintain this particular thin body or try to achieve this particular thin body in order to have any access to life, really, to life. I grew up being told by my father that uh, if I didn't lose weight, nobody would ever hire me. And that ended up being kind of true. It's very difficult to get a job if you're fat. And so to me, fat liberation is about kind of coming to understand both the personal internal experience of fat that we learn and apply to ourselves this sort of surveillance of the body by the culture that we internalize. And then we're always watching ourselves to make sure that we're not eating too much or that if we are, nobody sees us. And then it's also about looking at what the culture is doing and how the culture and the systems of the culture are impacting us. You know, so the discrimination that we experience in life and the um, access issues that we experience in life. You know, the fact that chairs are not made for bodies that are larger than a certain size. And, you know, then there's, you know, even larger things like fat people get denied medical care every single day. Doctors won't touch fat patients a lot of times, or they'll refuse to do surgery on them because they're afraid. They're afraid of liability. So a lot of fat people end up not seeking medical care or seeking medical care and not getting it. You know, I have a friend recently who um, had some polyps in her uterus, some fibroids, and they wouldn't do the surgery needed to remove them. They turned into cancer. By the time she realized she had cancer, it was stage four. 
and she died. You know, that is a direct result of fat hatred. Um, and so, you know, fat liberation seeks to sort of attack all of these fronts, the personal and the cultural and the systemic. Yeah, I mean, our culture that we're living in has such narrow ideas to what is considered adorable or beautiful or healthy. And, you know, this results in incredible trauma violence and abuse to all kinds of bodies, but especially fat people. So, you know, in addition to the things that you just mentioned, I'm kind of curious about what are the other kind of very visceral examples of fat hatred that you've seen or experienced? What feels very present for me is trying to participate in Specifically, like, queer of color community, right? Which is a community of people that are organized around shared identity in terms of race and sexuality. Um, that also, in organizing around race, has a fairly clear anti-racist politic, right? And is, like, pretty attendant to the ways that white supremacy and anti-blackness show up in community, I don't think that we're always like successful at resisting and and not perpetuating those things, but I feel like it's on the radar in ways that I feel like conversations around size and ability are not that feel really frustrating. You know, most of my friends in this community like most of them are thin. Most of them don't actually do fat people um, or befriend fat people. And that feels like somewhat low stakes, but also like leads to lots of isolation and lots of loneliness. Um, and I've written like pretty extensively about, about the experience of being in these communities and not feeling like I have the same level um, of care extended to me in terms of dating opportunities. So I feel like that would be my first answer. Yeah, because I think hatred is, it sounds overt, but I think so many times, as uh, Bax mentioned about, like, the fact that there are chairs or benches that, you know, fit backs, these are very often very subtle and insidious ways that, you know, environments and systems and individuals, you know, perpetuate hatred. There are um, a couple cases where, that, that I've been thinking about recently where uh, fat hatred, because it's so not questioned, has been used to kind of smokescreen other oppression. Right. So what I'm thinking of is like the case of Eric Garner, you know, fat black man killed by police who then tried to blame his death on obesity. And uh, Kayla Moore, fat black trans woman, also killed by the police who blamed her death on her being fat. And I recently learned about a case in West Virginia 
that happened last year and it just totally slipped my radar uh, because this, I think this kind of thing often slips people's radar because it's pretty ubiquitous and not remarkable to most people. But there was a case of some company that was poisoning a river. There was then a lawsuit against them for having poisoned that river. And they basically argued in their case that a level of acceptability of poison needed to be dependent on the particular community. And because West Virginia has a community of people that is fatter than average and fat bodies can handle more poison, they should not be held to the same standard. (laughs) Right? I mean, I'm laughing, but it's horrifying. You know, so this is a way that fat gets used as this smokescreen for other issues and a way to kind of get around doing crappy things to poor people and black people. Thank you for that. So both of you identify as fat people, and I think um, I'd like to talk a little bit more about, like, you know, the importance of this as both, you know, a personal and political identity, and how being identified as a fat person also led you to community. I'm a lifelong fat person. I started getting fat in, like, first grade. But it wasn't until I was, like, almost 20, like, my late teens that I, like, really started identifying as fat. And it, at first, was a way, I think, for me to undermine the power of the word when it was used against me. Because it was used against me my entire life um, as an insult, as a slur. Um, it still is used against me, but um, there was, I remember like one instance where I was working retail and I was a manager and there was a disgruntled customer. I think she was treating one of the employees really badly. And I was so I kicked her out of the store. Um, and in response, she called me like a fat something. Um, and the employees were also horrified and were like checking in on me as if I was like asking if I was okay. And I was like, no, like, it's fine. I, literally know that I'm fat. It's not something that can be used against me, you know? Um, I think that's part of the personal part of it. And then I guess I found fat community in, I would say 2013. And that was so, so healing and so special. I think in a lot of times in in fat spaces, we kind of operate under the assumption that we're all fat. And so therefore we all like experience the same thing. This particular community was like very clear that, you know, we were different sizes, we were different races, we were different genders. um, And all of those things informed our fat experience. And so it was a really beautiful um, context to think about like, what was my fat experience? And how did it differ from others? Um, I think especially like being like, you know, a non-Black Latinx person who is pretty light-skinned but and male assigned at birth um, in this kind of moment where, and this is like not an 
um, unique critique by any means, but many times issues of fatness or fat community are dominated by like cis white women, usually straight. Um, And I think that there's like a reason for that, but being able to enter into a community that was aware of like the different gendered and sized dimensions of the fat experience is really powerful and really important. And so I, I wish that more of us would be more self-reflective and honest about we might be fat, but what are, what's actually like impacting us directly. Yeah. You know, Caleb, I feel like, a lot of times we get hooked into uh, wanting access to privilege, right? We've grown up fat, you know, we, we want something. <laughs> and so people get hooked into narratives around um, how they can f- get uh, access to privilege, right? So there's the good fatty, right? Oh, I'm fat, but I'm healthy. I'm fat, but I'm fit. You know, I'm fat, but I whatever, you know, here's the ways that I am good. And so therefore, you know, being fat is okay if you're fat in a way that allows you to have access to privilege, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, I, I'm in a lot of fat spaces where that really plays out, where there's like the good fatties or the the cool fatties or the um, young fatties or the small fatties. And uh you know, if you're old or if you're super fat or if you're disabled and fat, you don't get access. You're separated off. Yeah, I love this. Thank you so much. Uh, I just had a new about to identify as fat. And, like, and how did that kind of give you, kind of led you to find a community? Um, hmm, that's interesting. Like, I'm not sure that identifying as fat did lead me to identify, to find community. I feel like, I'm not sure I remember not identifying as fat, because I really have been fat, like, since I was a baby. I was always called fat, so that I didn't feel like there was even an option to not identify as fat. Um, I guess I do feel like claiming it in a sort of politicized way did give me access to other people who wanted to do that. Um, so yeah, there was, I guess, some some finding of community in that. And I feel like I have certainly been, as a more of an older adult, I have definitely been part of like creating communities that were centered around that. And, um, you know, joining communities that were centered around that. Um, and that's been both helpful and sometimes tiring. <laughs> You know, I've had phases of my life where I got a little bit tired of everything being about fat and I just want to talk about something else for a minute, you know, and then kind of leaving fat community. And I actually had an experience where I really was tired of fat community. And so I I, I left it on purpose and I went and I became part of another community that was very much about like diversity and inclusion and social justice. And I was like, huh, this community could include fat, you know, like I could maybe be okay here. And I got really involved in that community for 10 years and ultimately they really couldn't, they really could not get it about fat being okay. 
And I ended up basically coming back to fat community because of that 10 years. And so now I'm kind of trying to be like a bridge builder between the two. And so I'm really invested in making connections with different movements and trying to bring, you know, just bring people together. And I've been really invested in trying to connect fat and disability community and to do things together. It's interesting because there's stigma on both sides. You know, there's, there's ableism among fat people and there's fat hatred among disabled people. And some fat people are disabled and some disabled people are fat. And if you use the social model of disability, well, all fat people are disabled because <laughs> we lack access. And, you know, so trying to kind of make these connections and uh, support people in overcoming their stigmas about the other groups or the fear of adding more stigma to their own identities. It's really interesting work and difficult. It is such necessary work. I think that's, you know, another thing that I just appreciate so much of both of you. And, you know, as a tremendous amount of emotional and very real labor that so many activists and artists are doing. I don't think any of us have like the answers, but you know, how do we all work toward liberation? Whether it's fat liberation or just you know all the different types of liberation. But like, you know, what are some very kind of real concrete ways that everybody can work together toward liberation? Um, something that I try to make clear in my work is that both Black liberation and fat liberation is all of our work, regardless if we're not Black or not fat, that these are legacies that we have all inherited. Um, And so I think understanding ourselves as the inheritors of these legacies and making decisions about whether, like how we want to hold those legacies and whether we want to work against them or whether we want to perpetuate them um, is really important. Also, like, checking in with yourself and challenging yourself on, like, maybe your own actions or your own thoughts or your own feelings um, is really important as well. The final part of my answer would be, um, or how I do this, um, is through what I would call an anarchist framework that um, tries to work against all social hierarchies and recognizing that those social hierarchies are hierarchies of race, they're hierarchies of gender, of citizenship, um, of nationality, but, and also, um, of sexuality and of size and ability, um, and making choices that align with that framework that of the abolition of social hierarchies, Right. And, and moving in a way that doesn't see any sort of social body as more important or more deserving than another. Um, and understanding that, like, we're all um, fundamentally, I guess, equal, I would say, even though it feels like a little bit of a strange word. But um, I, I think it's been tainted with, like, gay rights 
rhetoric around equality, but I do think that we're all fundamentally like equal beings um, that deserve the same kinds of love and care and access um, as one another. Oh, thank you for that. How about you, Yeah, I'm thinking of no body is disposable. It's really true. You know, we need to uh, we need to recognize that. And I, I agree with everything you said, Caleb. And I feel like one of the things that feels key to me on a personal level is what we can do is listen to other people, listen to ourselves, obviously, and also listen to other people. And believe other people and learn to get out of the mindset where you have to compare at what everyone says to your own experience so you can try to understand it through your own framework. Because sometimes we don't have a framework for understanding someone else's experience. And yet it, it's important that we try to understand it. So connecting with other people, whether we actually share the same issues or not, and, you know, believing people when they say they're being harmed and um, caring about that, you know. So we need to think about each other's fights and each other's struggles and each other's liberation as connected to our own. And so while I fight for fat liberation or queer liberation, I need to also fight for black liberation and indigenous sovereignty and um, closing the concentration camps and, you know, climate justice and, you know, everything like it's really, it's really connected and we can't separate these issues out simply by identity. We need to be working together. Yeah. That's what uh, solidarity and liberation is all about. Mm-hmm. I want to thank you both so much. I, you know, I'm listening. I'm learning. And I full of gratitude to, to share this time and space with you too. Oh, thank you so much for having us, Alice. What an honor. Yeah, thank you, Alice. It truly is an honor, and I'm so grateful to be here. Well, the honor is mine. This podcast is a production of the Disability Visibility Projects and online community dedicated to creating Shiri and Amplified Disability Media and Culture. All episodes, including text transcripts, are available at disabilityvisibilityproject.com slash podcast. You can also find out more about Max and Caleb on my website. The audio producer for this episode is Joe Green. Introduction by Latif McFound. The music by Wilter Sports Camp. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Pandora, or Google Play. You can also support our podcast for a dollar a month or more by going to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash dvp. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash dvp. Thanks for listening. See you on the internet. Bye. Rocket to the blast off. Stop, drop, dance off. <laughs>